Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At LifestyleSports.com. Welcome to the bloodandmud.com podcast, your weekly assimilation and regurgitation of the agitation, conflagration and damnation of the world of rugby. I am Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. No, not really. I am Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com and he is... I don't know who I am anymore, but apparently uh, I'm Josh Gardner of rugby shit. He certainly is and he remains the same and don't we love him for it. It's coming up this week. We have got uh, the review of the European weekend, and among other things, we will cover that and other type things for the weekend in the shit good ratings as usual. We've got another player who will be going into the massively underrated bin. It's not really a bin, is it? How underrated he was. It's not a bin. This can't be a bin. This is a plinth that they are hoisted hoisted upon (laughs) like the great figures of history, which they should be. Uh, we've got. I've got to talk about James Haskell again. I don't want to, but he, he keeps making it that, I, that we have to. Yeah. Don't blame me. Um, and then we've got the a sort of very delicate feature that we've called rather <laughs> delicately "ultimate brilliant arsehole or yes. something like that. That should be fun, which we'll talk else. about later on. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to this the bloodandmud.com podcast you can get in, get in touch with the podcast at blood and mud as many of you continue to do and thanks very much for all your feedback we managed to creep into the top 10 again last week on all the, right. the rugby top 10 not the actual podcast top 10 that would oh, be yeah. ridiculous we wouldn't be doing this we'd be on a beach somewhere if we were doing that um, yes so thanks for golden microphones all around thanks for everybody who is listening thanks for everybody who's leaving a review please just take a couple of seconds of your day to leave us a review maybe write a few words that would be really helpful for us 
Uh, right, Josh, last week we talked about the new uh, hero of the pod. Yes. A certain Lenny Woodard. We did. Who's had thousands of clubs, he's 40 years old and still playing despite having like basically two shattered hips. What a wonderful human being he is. And if you remember, I said, if anybody played with Lenny Woodard, yes. can you please get in touch? Hmm. Well, somebody did. Legend. Uh, I, I won't say who it was, but somebody got in touch and said to me, right, and listen to this. <laughs> Just when you think you couldn't get any better, listen to this. Just listen to the podcast, and I played with Lenny Woodard for Great Britain Students Rugby League and for a few games that I played at Glamorgan Wanderers. He kept me on the bench, the bastard. <laughs> He was rapid and had thighs as big as my waist. He was a machine, though, and he had a massive pipe. <laughs> so actually, well, not I mean, only, what, what? No, that is the absolute clincher, isn't it? That I mean, closes the deal. Yeah. On just I mean, you know, what, what you might you think there? you're an impressive individual, but you are not Lenny Woodard. No, let's let's just tie that one off quite literally. <laughs> you probably uh, could. Yeah, there's enough of it to do that, apparently. <laughs> It's all got a bit Dion Dublin here, isn't it? It's all got a bit, um, but yeah, literally, he was, it looks like he was basically, you know, a South Wales tripod effect. Well, I mean, someone has to be. So not only, so not, <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Let's right. Let's move on. What what so, better way to start the podcast than that? What less way to start the podcast than that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so let's have a look at the weekend, Josh. The, the review <laughs> let's, the, let's try and compose ourselves. Please look at anything carry on. apart from yes, what we've just yes, been talking about. Yes. Um, practically, so let's yes. talk about review of the weekend. So we had the European Cup and the Tennis Cup semi-finals. Uh, shall mm. we start with Saracens versus Wasps? Yeah. Well, well, for like about two minutes there, it looked like we might have <laughs> a right. really good game. Exactly what I was going to say. Here we go. I thought. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, and it was like, oh, great! This is going to be the like Champions Cup weekend that we've all been waiting for, and then pretty much the following 158 odd minutes of semi-final action was very much in the cliche of knockout rugby being that the team that plays the least wins. Yeah, um, I mean, that sounds as what's game. That, I mean, that was a magnificent try that was Yes, uh, it was to absolutely the, wonderful. The, the out to in by Wade to then pop inside to, to, to Robson who went in then out and then managed to score. It was absolutely glorious. There were so many opportunities to fuck that up and so oh, yeah, often... Yeah, yeah. So often it happens, but fair play to, to both of them. They executed it sublimely. But they obviously, Saracens thought, whoa, hang on a minute. Well, somebody, somebody radioed upstairs to, to kick in the end of to- tournament debugging programme, didn't they? And that was, <laughs> that was the end of that. Well, that's the thing. It was almost like that try came too early for Wasps because all it did was just give Saris a massive kick up the arse. And yes. then they spent most of the rest of the game desperately trying to extricate themselves from the Saracen-shaped boot that was clamped firmly on their faces. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, you can't. What can you say? I mean, it's. I admire them in many ways, but it, the, the ruthless efficiency is 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 something for the ages, really. But I'm not sure if they're going to look back on it too fondly, apart from. <laughs> Apart from the 12 fans they have, obviously. Yes. Well, it's, from a neutral perspective, it's sort of like watching someone slowly suffocating for 80 minutes to a soundtrack of nothing but German industrial metal. It's like, and occasionally it's quite compelling and diverting, but it's never enough to really distract you from the unpleasantness that's unfolding no. in front of you. And it has too much keyboard. Yeah, way too much keyboard. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what? it's the same thing. 
you've run out of things to say about Saracens, I think. Yes. Because you just keep saying the same thing. There's only so many ways you can try to be funny about it. <clears throat> yeah. If I I'm mean, going to be honest. Exactly. And like they, they were they were very efficient. It was just a masterclass in the application of pressure, yeah. both offensive and defensive, on a team that likes to throw it about a bit, in the case of Wasps. It was basically the evil empire against the not-quite-so-evil empire and the evil empire won. And that's that's it for me. You see, I I can't I don't like Wasp and what they did. But no, I can't I can't dislike Wasp because of Die Young, who I absolutely adore. Same just because I, of what he looks like mm. all the time. And after the game, he looked no more happy or upset than he has done at any point after any decision. He is brilliant. What the last time like he being smiled, married to him, it was. It's I can only imagine. The last time he smiled was probably that time that uh, Jonathan Davis was was just chatting on Twitter with Nigel Owens about the time that he basically managed to not get Die Young sent off by being charming the ref. And and that was probably the last time that Die Young smiled, I'm gonna guess. And it's but, not even it's not like he's it's not like he's actually a miserable person. No, he's just He's a, almost like a hyphen emotional. There are no emotions in there at all. It, he's like great. an he's like an Easter Island statue, isn't he? He sort of just yeah. sits there behind a laptop looking stony-faced. But not in a negative way. He just kind of... It's like life sort of washes over him. And obviously it doesn't because he's a very good coach. And yeah, Wasps he has to play really, yeah. And Wasps play great rugby. But it's... Yeah, he he is not of the Richard Cockerell school of getting animated uh, on the no. touchlines, is he? Speaking of the Richard Cockerell school of getting animated... Yeah, uh, Le- Leicester versus Racing. Now, imagine Richard Crocker was fairly animated at half time in that game. I'd imagine so, because God, what a massive missed opportunity that was for Leicester. I mean, Racing. I mean, ultimately, the scoreline probably did flatter Leicester a little bit by the end, but yeah, I mean, they, they weren't, weren't like amazing. Like, oh no, not, neither they, of the teams were amazing. No, they, they produced a very non-amazing game. Yeah, and it was just if if Leicester had just been a bit more inspired in attack like it could have been so By different inspired but... do you mean if they could catch the ball well yeah I mean for all this inspiring talk about how... stuff <laughs> yeah for all this talk about how Aaron Majors transformed them into the Harlem Globetrotters and the Midlands the fact is that they were just dropping balls for fun it seems on on Sunday and, and like they just they, they it shows that they still properly lack some actual proper class in that back line they've got some very good players but when it comes to a resolute and committed defence, which is what Racing were, I think, they just they didn't have any sort of guile to unlock it, and they were just trying to force things all the time, and it was just ending up being a bit of a shambles, to be But honest. even when they did have some guile, Matt Tate at one point ran outside and managed to get outside the line and, and, and across mm. and behind the line, and then he went to pass to Ben Young, who's running inside him, and threw the ball about two metres forward. <laughs> It was like, well, ladies and gentlemen, the premier competition <clears throat> in Europe. Yes. You can't yeah. even pass to a bloke two feet away if you like going forward. I mean, ben Young's overran it, to be honest, but the whole thing stacked. He did, but it was just, yeah, it, it was very much, I mean, people are eulogising about the quality of the the Wasp Saris game, which I think was incredibly generous, to be quite honest with you. No. But I mean, certainly, I mean, it was an okay game, and again, it was a fight. It was... as we've said, there's something to admire yes. about Saracens, and that try yes. from Wasp was great. But it was, yeah. you know, it was what it was. But, but compared to the Sunday game, you can understand why people were eulogising yeah. about it because, yeah, I mean, it was quite bad. This point, weird, 
I was quite interested in Racing's defence in that game, and it seems mm. that Rono R O F G Rono fucking Gara is their uh, is their defence coach. And after, <laughs> well, I mean, he's got it, nothing to do with teaching Dan Carter how to kick goals, has he? So he might as well do something. True. And he's yeah, and and after the game, he was being interviewed, and in that BT Sport do about <clears> two <throat> hours of interviews after games. Yeah, and he was talking about the defensive pattern. He said, "Well, you know, it's about having a pattern you believe in and sticking to the pattern." And trusting the people in the pattern to do their job, but it's like, well, your people you played with couldn't do that, could they? They couldn't no. trust you to do your job. Yeah, so didn't you know, trust your two thousand nine Lions to, did we, Sunshine? You, you live, you learn. You could yeah. trust him to be a revolving door, but it was at the. <laughs> but what when you watch them play, uh, they they seem to develop this pattern, and I think there's a bit of genius to it actually. They develop this pattern where they basically crowd about six people around the ball. Mm. In and do you ever watch Gaelic football? I don't know. I've watched but... it occasionally, and I've got family over yeah. there. And t- County Tyrone went through a very successful period, I think, about six years ago, and they won a few national champ, whatever it's called, the All Ireland, a yeah. few times. But everyone hated them because everyone hated them because they created this thing that everybody called puke football. <laughs> well, what they did I can't is imagine why they when, when the when the opposition got the ball, they crowded. Yeah. Tyrone crowded about. Oh, this is how the story goes. Tyrone crowded about four people around the person with the ball and almost said, right, do fuck, fucking do something with that then. Yeah. And that's what Racing were doing. They've, well, they've worked out that if you throw about six people around where generally where the ball is, what you say very hard to, what you say to your yeah. opposition is you've got to be good enough, one, to have the ability to get out of here, and two, to have the desire to get out of here. Yeah. What this means for the future if people start to catch that on is actually quite a depressing thought, I think, because there aren't that many teams... Who'll be able to extricate themselves from that? But it'll just become a kick fest again, won't it? Well, they're just because... they're just going to run out of ideas, end up going backwards, and boot the ball away. Yeah, yeah. And it was into I was into the Sky had um, for their roundup show of Euro highlights. They had Sean Edwards as the analyst, and he but was, was a sort laugh of, a minute. It was riveting, um, but he was basically sort of saying that the fact that that Racing don't blitz like pretty much everybody else in rugby does now. Really did seem to confuse, quite confound yeah. Leicester a little bit, and you know he was saying, you know, it's quite an old school thing that they're doing, really, but they're just doing it that sort of blanket defence thing is is not an, a new idea, but it's one that's it's it's kind of fallen so much out of fashion that teams aren't people really don't want to do with it anymore. anymore. Yeah. yeah, and and so yeah, it was interesting to see somebody who's obviously a fucking defensive genius, kind of be slightly perturbed by it himself I think yeah because I do think that that was it went <clears> some way to why Leicester was so lacking in composure because they had so yeah. the person on the ball had so little time and because they were swarming effectively whoever they yeah. shipped it to had very little time as well yeah and, and, and you've got to have such good line speed to, and it's quite it's very hard to execute consistently I would imagine to be able to get and obviously Masui was throwing himself around like a man who of his age should not be able to do and and various others, but like fourth yeah, consecutive it was... final for Masoi. Fucking hell, that's crazy, isn't it? Because he had three with Toulon, and now he's got one with Racing. Christ, I mean, you can't argue with that track record for him. He certainly knows how to pick his clubs. There's he nothing can't. else. And given that he's like what 197 years old, he's doing all right. He is he? quite literally ancient. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> but as as we discussed earlier on in the season, he still hasn't learned a fucking word of French. Good so. lad. 
I admire I mean, that. That's fair, what he's he's, a, he's a spiritual Brit, Brit, I think, at heart. I know, I think he is a bit, isn't he? Um, Sonia <laughs> did make a point in that Leicester game. Uh, Fiona K. Hunter on Twitter mentioned the complete lack of Tuolangi from from Leicester. He basically didn't... I didn't notice him until he flopped on the ball at the end. And he was playing 12, wasn't he? conceded a penalty. Yeah. I think he could get was... a bit more in the action there. But Beetham got more ball and Beetham was out in the, the channel outside him. He looked very out of sorts, didn't he? It was, it's a bit... He had to have his legs strapped up, didn't he, at one point as well? Yeah. Which was, um, uh, I wonder if it's it's just... He has been moved around quite a lot by Leicester and by England over the last couple of years. You wonder if he's perhaps just a little bit sort of confused as to what his job is. Yeah, but I think the way Leicester's season started and the way they've yeah. been, I, I don't think they can moan too much. It, look, it looks like they're no. going to get a playoff place and it looks like... Absolutely, yeah. And, it looks, and they've got to the semi-finals of Europe's inverted commas premier competition. So Yeah, exactly. And that's like, what, first since 2009? Something like that? Yes. So, still a pretty good achievement for the club, I think, definitely. Crossing over to the Challenge Cup. Yes. Uh, Quinns versus Grenoble. I think it's perhaps not coincidental that... Um, Nick Evans gets back on the park and all of a sudden Quinns look tidy again. They did look tidy. The game wasn't particularly tidy. It was, no, um, the game was... Yeah, I mean, I, at, one, at one point I did tweet on Friday and I said, I know it's raining, lads, but fucking seriously, this you know, <laughs> this is all, this is ridiculous. Yeah, well, when it comes to the, when the highlight of the game is a line that Jamie Roberts ran, and don't get me wrong, it was a beautiful line. It was a beautiful but line. Still, but still. But it shows how, Grenoble, how up for it Grenoble, Grenoble weren't. Oh, when he, when he basically did his usual, I will telegraph this line from sometime <laughs> last Wednesday. And yes, still, here I it comes. Crash over. Here it comes. See, most people yeah. just go, oh, here he comes, and just get themselves yeah. organised, don't they? But, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, some of their defending, particularly for that Nick Evans try, was just hilariously awful. They they did not look like they wanted to be there in the slightest. Not really. So, uh, 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 Should we talk about Joe Marler? <sighs> yeah, Again. I suppose we have to, really, I don't missed we? I this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a, a blissful week or maybe two that we haven't had to fucking I, I talk did about say, it. imagine what state what kind of statements you're gonna come out with now. You know, I'm I do not it's, condone well, head kickingism in any way. <laughs> and my kids and my friends know I'm, I'm not a head kickingist person. <laughs> uh no no if no clue if he apologised at half time for this. No idea. It'll all be out, won't no, it? It was just it was just boot banter. Now the, yep. the PC brigade now are going to want to make a big deal out of this. It's like, I I know I'm sure that like he felt some sort of burning and entirely incorrect sense of injustice at having missed the last two games for being awkwardly racist. But like, surely the way that you deal with that is to get your head down, play well, and above everything else, keep your fucking keep. nose clean. <laughs> I mean. I don't know if he is it, has he even been cited for that now. Yes, I assume he probably has been. Yeah, I mean he almost wants banning for fucking stupidity, really, doesn't he? I mean, at least when Simon McIntyre kicked the Todge in the head on Saturday, it was because the Todge was being naughty and holding on to him, Old and there was school. at least some yeah. 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 Whereas Marler just got cleared out by one Grenoble player and then opted to take his frustration out on the poor fucker who was lying on the floor. It's like he didn't do anything to you, mate. But to be fair to him, you know. Let's take Conor O'Shea's points on board. It it did only hit him with his shin. Oh, well, that's it all right It wasn't a boot, it was a shin. <laughs> it's not like the shin is harder than the foot or it's anything. It's not like it's the primary kick in Thai <laughs> boxing or anything like that. No, you, no, you not at all. Shin. Oh, yeah, yes, so... Yes. 
I think ironically he'll get a longer ban for that than, than the other thing he, won't prob- he? he probably will won't he um, and then meanwhile down in Montpellier the Dragons they they really did give it their best shot but they were just hopelessly and borderline unfairly overmatched I mean Yes, the, 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 they don't. They don't have a pack made up practically entirely of ex Springboks, and they don't have internationals on the bench. Yeah, there's there's a there's a canyon on Mars apparently, which mm. is, so they say, about seventeen times the width of the Grand Canyon. Yes, and I think that you need to have a look at that to understand the chasm in budgets that we're dealing with here between oh, God, these yeah. two players, between these two clubs, <clears throat> and when you consider that and consider what Dragons did in that game. They gave. I think, I'm, and I don't, want to be, I don't want to be patronising, but no, and I'm not being that. They gave an incredible account of themselves and showed. Some they really did. Like, I mean, when you think that their team is like a couple of young Welsh internationals, and then an entire squad of journeymen and club players that literally nobody else wants. Yes. And and like for them to get this far in the tournament is a huge achievement. For them to give that sort of account of themselves against a team with literally probably four or five times the budget that they've got if not more um, I mean it's a massive achievement for them and, and they can they can go home with their heads held high I think uh, Montpellier-Quinns should be an interesting game actually it should actually shouldn't it because I mean they're, they're both they seem quite sort of is, hasn't that game already happened this season they were in the group they were in the pool together weren't I they? can't remember I think I think they were because they were all in the same pool as the Blues right yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because two. Yeah, so they are because two teams yes. in the Blues group got to the final. Yeah, correct. Yes. So if memory serves, Quinns absolutely battered them at home, and then I think they probably lost away. Yeah, Quinns so, couldn't go to France and win. That's yeah. So problems. so so therein lies the potential rub with that one. I think. And of course, they've got to go to France because the finals in Lyon. <clears throat> exactly. But actually, that's probably a good idea because Racing brought two hundred and fifty people to Nottingham. <laughs> And that's not even a joke. They brought two hundred and fifty people I to know, Nottingham. It's there's there's something that's not right about this whole like Challenge Cup, uh, Champions Cup, rather like knockout stage thing. Something about it doesn't feel right in terms of, of just generally, or in terms of the crowds and stuff. Well, just everything. Just something about it just doesn't really like. I remember the old Heineken Cup knockout stages having a sort of energy about them. And it just seems they're very weird, sterile affairs these days. They're sort of just—I don't know. It's just there's something odd about it. And isn't it weird? I think that change, just simply the change of branding mm. from the Heineken Cup, seems to have made people. And even leaving aside the whole England and France have rigged this and all that, I think that's slightly overstated, yeah. to be honest. But <laughs> it's something about the. We kind of loved the Heineken Cup, didn't we? It had history and it had yeah. Even though it wasn't a very semblance. long history, it was something. It felt like part of rugby and and so yeah, and and even though had, this is effectively the same, it thing, is the same thing. Basically, it doesn't feel like it's the same team. thing, does it? No, it really doesn't. It's like I think because the Heineken sponsorship was so like effective in many ways. It's like you sort of you associate it with the green billboards and the yeah. and the greener and even though sort of all those things are still there, it's like. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. It lacks some of that romance, and and part of it, I think, definitely is because they have gone out of their way to disengage the Celtic nations from it. And I do think that, without wanting to be too fucking biased about it, like the Celtic nations do bring quite a lot of the colour to the tournament. Well, the Irish and, bring and, a lot of fans. 
There are a lot of fans. fans. They'd have took more than 250 people to Nottingham. Well, God, yeah, exactly. I mean, what was it? Ten years ago, they against the Scarlets, they sold out that stadium mm. in the in the same fixture. You know, it's like there is there's something to be said. I'm not sort of begrudging the French and the English clubs having a fuckload of money for their broadcasting rights because they're allowed to sell them however they please. But You sound like you're begrudging sort of, it a bit, I'll be honest. I am begrudging <laughs> it a tiny little bit, but not massively. Yeah. But, like, the way that... It's, it's just not good for European rugby to have such a, an obvious imbalance because rugby is... Like, the Heineken Cup was great because it sort of... It felt like everybody was involved. And even though there definitely was imbalance, particularly in favour of the Irish with the old Heineken Cup, Mm. like it didn't feel quite as skewed as it is now. And 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 I don't know, and there's also the BT Sport thing I don't think helps because I mean, nobody in Ireland has BT Sport apparently, because nobody has BT broadband, so nobody's getting it free. Yes. Um and and to be honest, not that many people in I don't have BT Sport, for example. So well, I do because I've got BT Broadband. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you've got BT Broadband, you'll I've have not it, paid but... the extra money for the HD on the telly. No, and, and so no, that annoys and... me because I've got beautiful yeah. crystal clear sky, which I pay for, and then BT yes. is in this kind of muddy, looks like you know a a lake that should be full of tench or carp. But I'm watching <laughs> it basically. I'm convinced they do that on purpose, by the way. But um, yeah, or make there's... it even worse. Make... I'm sure they make SD stuff on Sky HD look shitter. I'm convinced about it, but um, that's just that's just my contrails loony shit. Um, but yeah, there's there's um, I don't know. There is just something wrong with the Champions Cup in its current iteration, and it just doesn't feel. It lacks some of the romance and some of the excitement and the just I don't know. Just that I remember I was in Cardiff for the Munster to lose final back in 2008. Was it? And that was just genuinely one of the most brilliant rugby days. I had no interest to in either To be fair, though, stuff. most games in Cardiff feel like that. True. When you're in Cardiff like... for the day. It just, yeah. It's, the most, <laughs> yeah. it's probably the greatest city venue for sport going. It, and, one and of be, them. But then I've, it, that felt probably as good as, if not better, than any international day in Cardiff, just because it was an absolute carnival. Yes. And people who had no interest in either of the teams were just entirely swept up in the day. And it was just a fantastic occasion. And I just don't know if that... Well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, I, I, think, don't know. I think, I... you know, Rassing, Saracens and Quinns, Montpellier looked quite an interesting pair of games for the final, actually. I, I mean, think there'll be good old, games, definitely. Since it's a big old stadium in Lyon. Mm. So we see, it'll be interesting to see how they get on with it. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like how many... How many seats are they going to fill? Because that's the other thing with this tickets sort of thing. Like, I don't know how many neutrals are really buying tickets these days in the way that the old Heineken Cup used to, because you used to see fans from all over. Well, they're obviously not, because m- moving on to the shit good ratings, one of the shit things that's come out consistently on Twitter, yeah. Dav Jones and quite a few others are saying <clears> that, you know, it's amazing that they couldn't sell these games out. I mean, fair enough to Rassing, they haven't got a massive following and it was in another country. You can kind of accept that, but. Yeah, but um, Saracens was just <coughs> twenty minutes down the M4. Well, also yeah. it's not for Wasps I mean, anymore, is it? I forget. No, <laughs> but, uh, but but you know, they're the, still only an hour. Seventeen thousand. Like, they couldn't fill a stadium that holds twenty what twenty four twenty five thousand people. I mean, it's thirty. It's thirty eight thousand across the two finals. Was the 
the final figure across the two semis. Two semi-finals. Well. Hell. I mean, it's yeah, not good, which is, is that's. I mean, that's fifty percent down from last season, and admittedly, those are in France, but still, like, and it's a huge drop off from. I mean, I remember when the Blues and Leicester were um, in that final in mm. two thousand nine. They they put forty five thousand in the Millennium Stadium, mm. and remember when. I mean, admittedly, it was an all-Irish one, but you remember the Munster-Leinster one where they sold 82,000 in Croke Park for yeah. for a semi-final. And you just... and It's just the thing, is this... Is this not resonate? Like, it's understandable that this is kind of leaving Celtic fans cold, but it's there's something about this whole thing that's just not resonating with supporters of any country, and that should be incredibly alarming for the organisers because they spent so much money and they've created so much upheaval in order to get this new competition that's basically the same as the old competition but that they're in charge of it and they've kind of broken something along the way clearly. I blame the purple and brown branding <clears throat> that is bad nobody can get behind something that's purple and brown it's not good is it I mean I know they're going oh purple regal regal purple no no it doesn't <laughs> no it's not it's just, no <laughs> no it's just just looks like you're in a Premier Inn. It does look very um, much look like you're in a Premier Inn. That's a good shout. It that, is. Yeah. I mean, why are they not? I mean, who wants to go to Premier Inn? A Premier no, Inn's the only... Lenny Henry. You can and how much is he being paid? Right, exactly. Premier Inns are the only hotels people don't check into on Facebook. <laughs> That's a very good point. They'll check into any brand, but not Premier Inns and travel lodges. No, no. And they're always next That's to a very good reason. Brewers Fair Pub. Yes, or a uh, sizzling. True, Got to love those. True story. Yeah. I went to with work to. I had to spend three nights in Blackpool in January, a couple of years ago, and I was staying in a Premier Inn next to a Brewers Fair, round the back of the obviously out of use Pleasure Beach. That sounds genuinely like the start of a horrendous Doesn't film it, yeah. block. That sounds like lots zombies are going to start walking end. out of the and so on. Yeah, <laughs> and it was freezing. And you, know, you yes. think Blackpool's bad? Go in the off season. <laughs> anyway, uh, as we've as we've cracked on into shit go. and good, shall we? Uh, shall we do that do then? That, go. Yes. Um, so my first shit then is is going to be uh, well, it's kind of hard not to really, but it's it's touch judges, particularly on the back of the game on Sunday. Uh, yeah, at the city ground, like genuinely. What is the point of touch judges these days? Because they so rarely bother to contribute to the game. Like their only actual function is to judge where a ball went out of play in, um, which could presumably be done with Hawkeye or something. Yeah, or, these days, you would imagine. Or to, they're basically now people who put a flag up, uh, guess where the where the ball's gone out, and they're also mm. basically professional grasses. Mm. That's their job. Their job's to grass on something that nobody cares about. It's like yes. the ball's already and, gone. And but I'm going to grass about something that's happened in black play. And nobody, li- nobody yeah, likes well, the grass. No, and, and ultimately, they're not even grassing on the things that they should be grassing <laughs> no, on. It's that's like, another, even, that's, it makes it even worse. Like that, not only are you grassing, you're grassing about shit stuff. Yeah, it's like Nigel chalking off that rassing try for the forward oh, pass. Like, the level of I rage mean, I, in my house. I'm sure. I know you get very annoyed by the whole going back 7,000 phases thing. And yes, but more just for me, the thing that pissed me off was that the touch judge was literally about six inches away from that. Yeah, how he didn't sort of, how he didn't just stick his fucking flag up in the air as it happened and said, "Well, that was clearly a forward pass." Yeah, like, and if you don't no, do that, just, then tough. 
yeah, I, I honestly think that should, that's the only way that these people are going to learn. I have a problem even when it's part of the same phase of possession. I even have a problem with that. But this actually went forward, was recycled, went across the pitch and over the line. Then they went back. It's it's too much, isn't it? It's just like, beyond. I understand they want to get it right, but it's just like it is just it's it's making officials so reluctant to adjudicate on anything, and it's like this fear is just. I don't think even it's, Leicester fans so... are happy with that. No, really. I think, I think if you were to ask them, they say, "Well, all right, works out for us," but really, that's not how I want it to go. I don't think anybody wants it, do they? <laughs> yeah, every you everybody like these. The cliche that these things even out over the course of a season isn't true, <laughs> but like everybody gets the benefit of the odd dodgy forward pass here or there, and like if we're gonna just, yeah, I don't know. It's just it seems so. It harms the game because it robs us of enjoyment. And then, of course, Nige missed. Well, saw a knock on that wasn't there. To be fair to him, yes. that look for that he was look, very that, that look for all the world a knock on. Absolutely, it was just I one of those classic. You know, nobody could look at that and think it wasn't one. No, but actually, what he should have done um, is the way Leicester had been passing all all game. It probably wasn't. Maybe he should have reduced that. No. But, uh, <laughs> yes, but I do but, like that. Uh, you know, I, I I offer you my sincere apologies. My sincere apologies. It was it was what like did Christmas it was like, say? sort of. So do we get to try then? <laughs> Which I mean, fair yeah, fair play. Fair play. <laughs> nice did laugh, didn't he? But doesn't it? Yeah. In a way, though, as much as that is ridiculous in TMOs, that little vignette there made me really quite happy. Because obviously yeah. they were they were in there, weren't they? Nobody was catching. They were they were scoring. He was done and dusted. And, you know, nice corner. So I'm sorry, lads. I've completely fucked up. There is basically what he said. <laughs> Can I have the try? No, I'm afraid you can't. And Mister no. just kind of I gave him a wry smile, didn't they? And just and they just yeah, walked as off. Say, well, there was <laughs> you, you fucked me twice yeah, there, then, haven't you? Wasn't it yeah. great? That, you know, there was no screaming yeah, and, and, was, and you know, no. rugby isn't perfect, but that was absolutely that was a, not a wonderful example of what rugby really is. There, yeah, I never want us to lose that. Yes. more than but anything else. Yeah, I accept else. it. Let's have a bit of a laugh about it, and let's go back to play. Yeah. Yeah, it is great. Um, um, go on. Uh, the other shits I've got, um, Lynn Jones and the whole his being sacked by the Dragons debacle. Yes. Which I'm not sure if you've seen much of. I know that he was he, going. I've heard it happen. What was that all about then? Well, basically, they sacked him this week um, after weeks of speculation, but something about it smells very weird. Like... He hasn't been seen at the Dragons since they lost at home to the Ospreys a couple of weeks ago when he was booed every time he appeared on the big screen. Um, it even drowned out while... the choir. <laughs> exactly. And while the suspicion was that he'd basically been put on gardening leave, the region were repeatedly insisting that he was ill. Um, so fast forward to this week and they sack him, even though he, he is still technically ill, um, explaining that uh, and this is the really fucked up part for me, that him being off ill allowed them to bring forward their end of season review and uh, during which they decided to shit can him. So basically, well, because he was sure off sick, that gave him the opportunity. under the DDA there, actually. Well, yeah, something about that sounds like, presumably without him being there as he was ill, to decide to sack him without any kind of like recourse is... is well, let's well, put it this way: to be sure, if he, if to he see was on, if very he was on maternity, going on he was on maternity leave, they'd be in serious trouble. For, well, for yeah, exactly. In such a manner. But who knows what the actual reality? Because there was talk that he'd been seen at the Quinn's training ground while he was ill. So, I mean, I mean he was obviously totally doomed anyway. 
Oh, God, yeah, he was always going, but Plus, it's just the know, whole bizarre theatre of it. They need to get their fucking house in order before the big game well, exactly. at the end of the season. They have that. You know, they're not that, stupid. That's that whole... That Challenge Cup shit, that's done, done now. now. Forget it's about the Cuthbert that, boys. police on Cup they need to focus on now. That is the important you know, thing. They could have let it drift to the end of the season and let Ling go quietly nope. in the summer, but no, nope. no no, time for that. They've got things they to deal with They need to inject a fresh approach. Which is just Kingsley Jones who's been there all the time. But they can let um, the shackles yeah, off so just... <laughs> But it's very, very weird and very odd, and I, I don't know what's happened there. Very odd. Um... Mm. Continuing with the shit, let's talk about um, everyone's favourite friend, Mr. Austin Healy. Yeah. I mean, it's been clear for a while now that not only is he a massive penis, <laughs> but um, he's a fairly dreadful pundit and commentator as well, and, and BT must be ruining the day that they gave him a contract. Um, but I've met, everything I've, that I've he met does... him at the BT Sports studio, and I'm not joking, right? Mm. He looks like an evil gnome. <laughs> when you see him up close, his face even looks like an evil gnome. <laughs> and that's the, that is basically his commentary it is, style, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? He's like the leprechaun, evil, no. the evil leprechaun from yeah. the films. <laughs> because everything he says is, is it's either wrong, misinformed, or just fucking or offensive. Yeah, and basically. I mean, you lost your shit about it on Twitter, and rightly so, but his comments about Burns and the HIA were just all of the above on, on Sunday. And, yeah, I mean, for I those mean, who didn't see it out there, he, he he basically... Burns got injured in about the 34th, 33rd minute, and it was quite obviously his knee mm. or his leg. Some part of his leg had been knacked, and he was struggling. Yeah. And um, Healy said, well, I probably shouldn't say this, but maybe they should get him off for a HIA strap him up, smash some painkillers in him and get him to half time so they can make a decision. So effectively, even though he's injured, we won't have to sub him, we can take longer to, to deal with it, which is basically, one, it's probably against the rules, two, it's against the ethics of the game, but, and three, you think about, the really thing that really pissed me off about it was that you think about how long rugby asked about with HIAs and didn't do it properly, and then you get a former pro and a pundit basically saying, let's just completely take the piss out of it now. Yeah, and it's like you'd think that as an ex-pro, he would have some semblance of like concern for the welfare of the players who are currently putting their bodies well, on the line human for being. entertainment, like well, he think, did. I think well, I'm making yeah. a mistake of thinking he is one. So, well, it's like it's like the fact that rugby is finally taking head injuries seriously, and his first thought is to use that as an excuse to cheat. It's like it's no. I, I said to you, it's no fucking wonder that Bloodgate happened when this is the attitude yeah. that pervades, and why, like. It's even more galling when you give that iffy incident at the end of the game where um, Johan Goosen looked to be playing yeah. on when he had no business being on the field with a head injury. And that's the flip side. And that's why the HIA isn't something that should be abused or gamed because it's fucking serious. And it's an important safety measure that's designed to save rugby players from themselves. And they need to get proper independent doctors in for the protocol because it's oh, just absolutely. become ridiculous they, now. That's the next thing. 100% need to. This has got to be independently done. To come back done. to the point about Healy as a pundit, I actually... However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits, style with benefits, sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports at LifestyleSports.com. Acast recommends 
Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. To understand the point of Healy as a pundit. He's like Liam Brady in the football and, and Robbie Savage in the football. He's there to piss people off a bit. Yeah, I understand he's that. He's chaos, basically. Yeah, I understand that. He's That's what he's there chaos. for. But then there's lines in which he shouldn't really go across. I don't really understand what Delalio's no. for. That's where I get completely... I know he's a titan of the game and all that, but he just doesn't really... At least Healy, whatever shit he might speak, at least he, he garners a reaction. Yeah, Delalio is just a massive homer of every stripe that he and happens to have ever represented. There was a point where, and, but, and says that's a shame. Oh, that was a brilliant one on Saturday. The first 10 minutes, Burns <laughs> tried to chip the ball over and basically wanged it about 70 feet into touch from his own halfway line. And he said, well, that's unfortunate there. And I said, <laughs> I said no, no, what you're looking for is shit, Lawrence. Yeah. And then Racing got the ball off the line out, went down the other end and scored. And it was like, no, what's unfortunate is that try that's just resulted from the shit kick, Lawrence. You know, kick. That's yes, the difference. Exactly. Do you understand? <laughs> it's like that's his thing. You can sort of imagine him in the commentary box just seething quietly. And the only words that he can <laughs> yeah. politely say on air is, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's a shame. Or it's a yeah. shame. As opposed to, that was a fucking disgrace. Yeah. Uh, which is why we will never get a job. Yes, Apart exactly. from this thing we do ourselves when nobody edits us. No, um, <laughs> shit thing for me was uh, you didn't see Hurricanes versus Chiefs at the weekend. I, I didn't did. know. And comparing that to what was an offer in all of the European games, really, apart from very brief. Imagine that Wasps try for a, mm. most of the time. That was basically Hurricanes yeah, versus that's, Chiefs. That's basically been watching the Chiefs this season. Yeah, effectively, been, yeah. Does the, yeah, it's they're yeah. fucking scary. Cruden looked pretty good. That young fullback with an absolutely terrifying kicking routine. What's his name? Yes. Uh, uh, McKenzie. Oh, God, what is his name? Um, uh, something McKenzie. McKenzie. Damien, yeah. McKenzie. Damien McKenzie, yes. I think Scotland will be after him at some point with that name. But, uh, but, yes, uh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> but he looked, not just a kicking thing, but he... Oh, he's a fucking great he, yeah, player. He did, he did a brilliant... And he's tiny as well. Sorry? That's that's the other thing. He's he's, he's not well, yeah, a big lad. Very, he's very like 5'9 or yeah, something. He's yeah, he's great. And, yeah, it is it is kind of depressing. To, and I, I don't want to be one of those people that rags on Northern Hemisphere rugby because it's not Super Rugby isn't automatically better because loads of tries are scored but you only have to look at it and watch it to see that the skill levels and the thinking that's going on it's the on. forwards more than anything it's the way the forwards yeah. use the ball and, and how comfortable they are with the ball I can't believe we're sat here in 2016 still saying the same thing that, so, still that Southern Hemisphere this, forwards are good with the ball and ours aren't I know uh, I'm going to come into I have it in my good this week but it's like all the praise that gets like garnered on on Make of Unipola for not basically being a fucking cart horse and occasionally passing and not fucking up while he's doing it and occasionally looking to offload and like he basically gets 
and did get fated at the weekend as if he was some sort of fucking rugby messiah. And it's like that's that's kind of the norm down south. The props are expected to know how to offload a bit. And I've said this before. I never quite understood why we assume that somebody who's over 17 stone can't pass a rugby ball. No, it, there's nothing. It's the, the weight of muscles on your arms don't slow the velocity no, of the passes. No, it's not like yeah, slow motion. And, and you, you, or or you're, you, you've got so much weight coming through on momentum, the ball automatically gets flung up in the air or something. That's not. You know, that's not how it works. You know, it's well, just no. you, you should be. You've been being coached since you're about eight, and you're a professional player. Yeah. You should be able it's to pass ambition, off both not ability. hands. Yeah, it's 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 back. Come back to the Marnonu point from last week. It was obviously he didn't really show yeah. the ambition to do the kind of passing, probably because that's not what his system required with the All Blacks. Now he is doing; he can do it. They're not unable yeah, to do it. Can. It's a lack of brain and a lack no. of ambition. Yeah. Speaking of um, shits, though, uh, on the flip side of that Super Rugby coin is Australian rugby brackets. All of it. Um, I mean, the Wallabies entertain England in a month or two, and um, there's going to be need to be a serious turnaround in Australian rugby for them to enter with well, any kind of hope. Before, though, like, well, I mean, yeah, but you look at the way the Aussie teams are playing Super Rugby this season. As of this week, the Rebels, yes, that team in Melbourne that nobody cares about, not even people who live in Melbourne. They're sitting atop the Australian Conference with 22 points. Now, to put that in context, that would be good for last place in the New Zealand Conference. Um, yes. Uh, it's, and the, the, it's not even that the Rebels are very good. It's the fact that the Force, the Reds and the Waratahs have won a grand total of five games between them this season. I mean, on the back of such a successful World Cup, it's, how, it's really bizarre how badly the wheels have come off for Aussie domestic rugby. Like, the Waratahs won the title two seasons ago, don't forget, and... And given what an important market rugby in Australia is for rugby mm. globally, it's kind of slightly worrying and it's pretty bad timing that they're struggling to generate interest while at the same time their teams are going to I shit as well. I think the national well. team so, will probably do better. I think that might rescue that, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, that's the, people have been sort of doom and glooming it in Australia and for that I always just think, well, Wales have been quite tidy for the last 10 years and they've basically had one good team who's not even been that good for most of that time. So, True. Yeah. Anything else on shit? Uh, Let's no, move on to the, to the bright side out. of the road, as Van Morrison, want, as Van Morrison sang. Um, <laughs> Grumpily. Yeah, he wasn't on the bright side of the road very often, was he? There you go. Um, no, Good not. for me was going back to that Hurricanes. Bowden Barrett, who can finally mm. now step out of the shadow, I suppose, and carve his own way. Although he's arguably not been the best out half so far this season. But he looked very... He looked... When he... Let him look good. He looked very good. Uh, he, that's always been the way with him. He's a fabulously talented young man, and I think the fact that they've got him and uh, Anne Cruden as as options at ten now just shows what ridiculous depth the All Blacks have because both of those players will be starting. And neither are very big men. I quite like that. No, they're not. And I mean, Cruden's quite sort of stocky. No, but he's not. But, so, yeah, he's not. Yeah, large in the modern rugby sense not, of large, is he? No, they're really not, and they're just—they're both men with brains, and it's—it's it's quite refreshing to watch somebody play ten in the way that they play uh, ten. Speaking of, you know, um, small halfbacks freed from the France madness, Maxime Machineau looks like a rugby player. Who knew? He does, doesn't he? He's a very good player. I—I'm not entirely sure what strange malady <laughs> took over him during the Six Nations. Well, but, the same yeah, one that took over everybody good. else, basically. <laughs> Well, yeah, there is that. In the French squad, that is. Um, Go on, yes, any good true. for you? Um, other goods for me, I mean, every fucking week now, but 
Mario Itoji. Yeah, he's I mean, becoming dull now, isn't he? Yes. His proficiency is becoming boring. The... I don't like him anymore. No, I, I, I totally lost the magic. But there's a saying in American football about hearing footsteps that's usually used to talk about a quarterback who's so rattled by the punishment being doled out to him that he rushes his throws yeah. and plays conservatively and generally is shit um, because he's hearing the footsteps of the defence. And, like, Itoji is basically making opposition hookers hear footsteps now. Like, like poor Carlo Fistuccia. I mean, he was didn't know what the fuck was going on. Let's be honest. He and you could tell that Itoji just by being on the field. Yes. Like hookers don't like it. Lineouts, you know, you can see like they're making lineout calls more complicated than they need to be. They're trying shit that's too complicated because they're trying to try and outsmart him. And because just, they know he'll jump I mean, off one leg a... and nick it basically. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he, he snaffled two on the weekend, and it's just like it changes games massively. And he's still doing it every week, and it's slightly scary. Yeah, it's 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 a thing to behold. It really is. Uh, let's talk about our friends, the Sunwolves. Yes, They've won a game. Glorious Sunwolves. Slight- uh, yes, after all our doom and gloom last week. Yeah, slight- I'm slightly. It's tempered a bit by the fact they've beaten the Haguaras, who actually want to win a game as well. But um. Yeah, yes. I mean, as I said, I mean, last year, the Southern Hemisphere Press had them down for only being allowed to play in the Madagascan Lemurs Only League, basically. <laughs> because they were apparently so old yeah, I mean, that they couldn't even be trusted to walk onto a field. And actually, they played pretty no. well. They played a brand of rugby that I'd much rather see week in, week out, I'll be honest. Yeah, they they play, they're playing pretty good stuff, actually. And, I mean, for all of the impressiveness of the, the Sunwolves finally getting their win... What has gone wrong with El Jaguares? I mean, they won their first game and now they've lost six on the banks and they seem to be getting but worse every week. When you play that type of rugby that they play, it only gets worse when you're not winning. Mm, because it's, actually it's, you go the opposite way. Left, right, Instead and center, of getting sensible you? and getting shape and getting pattern, you end up going the opposite way Yeah, trying to think everything's going to come off. And it just doesn't. There's a reason it no. doesn't because it doesn't. And actually, I mean, are they even yeah, coached? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. You, you just get the impression. I'm not, I'm not go, sure. Oh, that... Go give it a. It's like Nigel Davis, the Nigel Davis Gloucester years. Just go give it a lash, lads. Yes. It'll be all right. <laughs> See what happens. It'll be fine. Yes. I mean, they are. They do share the coaching staff with the Argentine That's national really side. And you wonder squ- if perhaps no, a large proportion <laughs> of the squad are them. Uh, the whole squad. Yeah, but you wonder if perhaps there was some sort of like administrative error and no coaches have turned up. They've gone, oh shit, did oh, you not send you, the memo to... i to get that addendum oh, to your job description, yeah. lads, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh no, you've just been sitting in an office in Buenos Aires for the last eight weeks while these fuckers have just been Playing running around the field as if training. no one has ever coached them in. <laughs> Part of me hopes that's what happened, but yeah, it's, it's a, quite a shame because I was rooting for the Hagiwana. Adam Reese on Twitter after the Sunwolves win. Losaurus Rex on Twitter commented on how good that was as well. But Adam Reese on Twitter after the mm. Sunwolves win just texted me a cropped photo of just the eyes of the mascot, <laughs> which, honest to God, is terrifying. Look it up. Anybody out there, I mean, look it yeah. up. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, anything else on good from you? Uh, yes. Um, Owen Williams, uh, Tiger's fly half, namely um, his conversion of uh, Leicester's late last try, which was way out on the touchline, and he did in about 10 seconds. Yeah. He sort of he got out, he lined it up, and uh, he looked at the posts and spanked it over, and it kind of makes an um, absolute mockery of all these ridiculous, convoluted 
free kick routines that we're seeing these days. They're nothing but theatre and nonsense. All you need to do is look at the post, take a deep breath, look again and kick Mull it. Mull Boyne on Twitter agreed with you. He said it had no eventual impact, but Owen Williams's rapid, accurate conversion for Leicester was almost better than Gopeth versus Exeter. It wasn't quite as good as yeah, Gopeth versus fabulous. Exeter because he didn't do that kind of Hulk smash Superman hands above his head thing no, exactly. when he kicked it. Because that would <laughs> not be correct because they were just about to lose. Yeah. But that's what made the Gopeth one absolutely brilliant because the second it left his it boot, he basically was, had the yeah. kind of muscle man Hulk Hogan arms in the air sort of thing, which was brilliant. <laughs> so that was our shit good for this, this week. Um, thank you very much indeed. for your contributions. Remember, you can get in touch with the pod at Blood and Mud or you can get in touch with Josh... Uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rubbish at Watch confusing with Josh never know when to where to reach out to him but, but, but too much going on no, just reach out to me everywhere I'm like oh, uh, while, while we're talking about Josh and Rubbish at Watch by the way I feel <laughs> it's only fair I'd make, I, I make a mention of his great nostalgia features you've been having Josh Yes, didn't tell, I didn't ask me to do this I genuinely want to then to put that out there no this is taking me quite by surprise well thank you it's um Basically, there's nothing to talk about right now if you're into rugby shirts because nobody is making new rugby shirts um, for a couple of months. So I thought, why not just go back into the 90s and remind ourselves of how brilliant slash slightly hilariously awful um, all of the wonderful 90s rugby so there's shirts There's 15 best club shirts and 15 best international shirts. And 15 there? best. Yes, and uh, I'm working on the worst ones oh, are you? as we speak. Oh, and, uh, well, yes, that'll be something to look forward to. Look out for that yes. at rugbyshirtwatch.com, everyone. Indeed. Let's move on to, speaking of the 90s, let's move mm. on to um, our massively underrated for this week. Less. Let's do that. And, and this week... Um, go on, you start. You, said that you, you, mentioned, you sort of spoke about it beforehand, and you mentioned that this week's star is... Uh, well, centre Alan Bateman, and when you did, I kind of did that thing where you sort of stopped for a minute and you look off into the middle distance and you sigh a little bit because fuck, he was good. Like such a good player. A, in a better team with better players inside and outside of him, he what like he could have done wonderful things. Um, and I'm not in any way overstating that. I don't think. No, but I think the thing is, people often if I mention Bateman and I have mentioned it like this before, and people say, but he wasn't underrated. No, he was. Because when you say to people, who was a great centre from the nineties? How many names they, are they going to go through yeah. before they get to Alan Bateman? It's, I, I reckon mm. it'll be about fifteen minimum yeah. before they get to Alan Bateman, and you know he was five foot nine and thirteen stone Bateman. That's not big. And is you it? would never, have, and you would never have, like when I think about what I want from an international thirteen these days, I basically think about what Alan Bateman was, like that the timing on his passes, the the awareness of space, and and the the way he put other people into it, and just. And I mean, that's even before you talked about his tackling. Which, yeah, I, mean, I like to the fact he was hard as fucking nails, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what did they call him in rugby league? The clamp, wasn't it? It's yeah, like, yeah. He tackled every, like as though everyone on the field wearing a different colour shirt to him had personally insulted his mum. It was great. And, uh, he, he had, and he had that running style where he looked like he was constantly on the verge of falling over. <laughs> yes, And did. yet was perfectly balanced and incredibly quick. It was, it was, I know, it was, it, was, it was sort of a miracle of physics, really, wasn't it? It was, and but, he, um, he did play RL, as you say, and he did a year with, he did. He did a year with Cronulla in the 90s in Australia. Yeah. Which basically I mean, means he is a fucking serious deal, because whatever you might think about RL, you play at that level at that time, yeah, and you really exactly. know what you're doing. And that's the th- in many ways, I think he's probably not regarded that highly in Union because... He sort of spent that sort of prime six years of his career in the thirteen man code, and then when he came back, it was to a Wales team that was fucking shocking, and had Arwell Thomas at ten, um, and they wouldn't really get their shit together until sort of ninety eight, ninety nine. By which point, he was kind of on a bit of a downward. And I think when you wa- so. when you watch that team from that period, one of the biggest things 
you notice of what stymied how good he was was that he spent probably about 40% of his time covering Arwell Thomas's tackles. He's, and that's yeah, what he was doing. He was yeah, yeah. sweeping behind for what Arwell Thomas had missed. Yeah, he, I, I interviewed Arwell Thomas about 10 years ago and he was like, Yeah, I didn't think I was there to tackle. And he was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I could yeah, see. I could noticed, see that by yeah. every appearance you ever made for Wales I also admire for, um, for the fact the fact he never probably never said more than two words off the field for about 12, for no. the entire, for about 12 years of his career. He didn't say no, a word. And, and the other thing I love about him, I only have this for Wikipedia for evidence for this, but apparently he now works for the NHS and um, he still turns out for his local team, the Olaki RFC or in Division 3 South East in the Swaylet League. And he's 51. Can, can you imagine that? Turning up to play basically amateur rugby and there's a 50-year-old but probably still terrifying well, Alan still Bateman. Dimmy, you. Yeah. yeah, he would absolutely and Speaking of the legend that was Lenny Woodard, have a look at the clubs that he played for, by the way. Alan Bateman. Tate, I know he's been Neath, everywhere. Wellington, Cronulla, Richmond, Northampton, Neath again, Ebu Vale, Maisteg again, Bridgend Brubles, and now still at, or at least until 2013, at Heola Q. It's great, isn't it? Absolutely he, magnificent. I mean, he, don't forget about he was a key part of that um, Heineken Cup team uh, for Northampton that won it in 2000 as well. This led me to thinking as well about, and I, this is probably slightly unfair, but can you. He is part. He is one of the Welsh people who've won a Heineken Cup. Yes. Him. There's not many. There's him. Um, can you think of? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Can, can you think of any eight. others who won? I would yes. never get all um, eight. I, I was struggling. Yian Evans. Correct. At Bath in '98. Uh, Rob, Rob Howley. Wasp in 2004. Correct. Gareth Thomas. Toulouse in 2005. Correct. Gethin Jenkins. Nope. Oh, did he not win it? Nope. Did he not win it with Toulon? Or maybe he has. Yeah, he was maybe there with list Toulon. Is out of date. Oh dear. Maybe. You can have that one then. <laughs> but uh, Lee Halfpenny. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm struggling. It's actually that. more than that. Well, anyway, you've got Nathan Thomas. Oh, 1998 Jesus. at Bath. Richard Webster. Yeah. Fucking hell, really? Bath in 1998. Tony right. Reese in 1997 with Breve. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I don't remember him. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember him either. And another put one. My hands up. The same team as Alan Bateman. Andy Newman won it with Northampton in two thousand. Really? Oh my god! I do remember Andy Newman. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Well, Alan Bateman, Yian Evans, Rob Howley, Andy Newman, Tony Reese, Gareth Thomas, Nathan Thomas, Richard Webster, Gethin Jenkins, Lee Arpany. Ten in total, not eight. It's not bad. Not bad. It'd be much better if a Welsh team actually won it rather than having yeah, to go be a fucking else. shit. There'd be a shitload more there, but yeah. Right, yeah, so that was our massively underrated person. I don't think I could ever hmm. tire of talking about Mr. Alan no, Bateman, a wonderful, wonderful player. He? he was also as well in the, in the Welsh team that started to nurture Shane Williams's career. He was. So maybe he's got a part to play in that as well, for which us, maybe. we all, not even us Welsh people, can be thankful for. He also but, started yeah. a test for the Lions in 1997, of course. He did, and I remember him and Will Greenwood playing for the Dirt Tracker team in 1997 and were fucking brilliant. That's some partnership, <laughs> that, isn't it, right there? That is a hell of a partnership. Yeah, so that was our massively underrated player. Let's move on mm-hmm. to talk about, again, I'm sorry to do this again, but I'm going to talk about James Haskell <laughs> again. Um, he's been interviewed again this week about how little of a shit he gives about what people think of him. I mean, it's for a man who doesn't care what people think about him, he sure as hell invests an awful lot of his time reminding anyone who will listen about that fact. It's like, 
you think if he actually didn't give a shit, then it wouldn't play on his mind what I like, quite nearly as much as it does. What I like about it is, is that he, <laughs> he almost morphs into Ron Burgundy in this interview. He does a little bit, Because he says, yeah. in England time, the microscope comes on, and that seems to be a rallying call for armchair noses. What's one of them? I think he means people like me. But I don't know what a noise is. Yeah, basically. To crawl out of the woodwork. Honestly, I don't care. I enjoy my life. I have a laugh. I work hard. I get paid to do some cool things. I've got a business. I've written three books. I don't know how to put this, <laughs> but I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. I'm yeah. very important, and I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment <laughs> smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> At what point does, yeah. does Haskell stop? And, and Ron and Burgundy, Burgundy starts. Right it's... it's, it's... And, he's, I mean, and he says that this, he says that, And you can also imagine him sitting in his office doing bicep pills. Yeah, well. yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> I, did I don't even notice. At the end, he says, at the end of the. Back to Haskell now. He says, at the end of the day, if you have time to comment on people, you need to have a look at your, your life. Who has the time to register for an account, sign up, and comment? I fucking haven't. Have you? He says to the interviewer, no. Yeah. What was the point you made about has he got yeah. time to that do may be, That may be true, James. But who, what takes more time, signing up to comment on an article on the internet or setting up two interviews with national publications to tell everyone how much you don't care about them, or getting rugby shirts with six and a half on the back printed up for your eventual Grand Slam winning game? Which of those takes more time, James? The lack of self-awareness is staggering, isn't it? But then, and then the payoff is... staggering, People who it? sit in their offices and hate their lives do that. People who sit at home surrounded by cats do that. That's why I love programmes <laughs> like Troll Hunters. You meet these people... One and cat. And you realise, yeah, well, I've one. got one cat. Please, I need to tell you that I have one cat. Okay? I am not surrounded by cats. And I can honestly say, I think my life's all right. Honestly, please yeah, believe I'm fine me. With my, my life, life is okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Guardian interview last week was a tour de force, and we discussed it. But like, and that actually made me feel quite sorry for him because of how insecure he clearly is. But the sport one this week just reminded you that he covers that insecurity with staggering amounts of bluster and bullshit. Yeah. I mean, what comes like, clear? He's beyond protesting too much now. He might as well be waving a massive flag with "I'm a lion who's really bothered with what sheep think about him" on it. I think what comes to loud and clear is what is very true. If this if this is taught as anything, is that he really, really, really gives a shit what people say. Like about massively him. so. Like more than probably any of you listening care about how anyone else thinks about you. That is probably how much James cares. Oh yeah. When Josh said it was in the sport, it wasn't in the Sunday Sport newspaper. It was in Sport no, magazine. Might... Have a look at it yes. online. It... Although it might as well have been. Interview in the Sunday with the lovely Charlie sport. Morgan. Oh, Charlie Morgan's great. Indeed. Have a follow of Charlie Morgan. Charlie Felix on Twitter. He's a great guy and a great commentator. Yes. Um, right. So um, that was the Haskell thing. I, I listen honestly. I will try not to talk about him next week, but I can't. I can't make any <laughs> that would promises be lovely, because I don't it? know many interviews he's got lined up. So you know, no, he could have one of these every single week until the end of the season. Don't rule that shit yes. out. I'm gonna get my own t-shirts made with a cat on it or something. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to do something. I can't take this light down anyway. No. So let's move on to our feature that we said. We got thinking about Healy with his comments, and we got thinking about mm. our souls. And- yes, I mean partly the progression of Saracens to the Champions Cup final this week, which sort of struck me that there was. Quite a few players who'll be turning out in Lyon in a couple of weeks' time who are, let's not beat around the bush, arseholes. And it's got me thinking, like, is being a complete dickhead part of the makeup of a great sportsman? I mean, certainly there's a lot of evidence there over all of rugby's history. And who is the biggest 
one who has that sort of who is the biggest arsehole excellence correlation person well we've had a few I've had a, a couple of suggestions on Twitter Simon Simon Rugby Smartass that's actually Rugby Smartass is his name on Twitter I've not said that <laughs> I'm not casting aspersions on him no Simon Rugby no. Smartass suggested George Gregan oh yeah but yeah. in a way Definitely. I liked it because I mean that five more that four more years boys to the All Blacks mm. while obviously a total arsehole thing to do was, was massively so. brilliant it must be said. yeah you can always t- like you can always tolerate arseholery when it's done with a bit of a cheeky smile and it's yes. quite funny at the end of the day I mean when you think if you're talking arsehole scrum arves I mean I don't think you can talk about George Gregan and then just totally ignore the existence of Matt Dawson. Yeah, he's on my list as well, Matt example. Dawson. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of two different sort of schools of thought here. It's like, there's people who enjoy being arseholes on the rugby field because that aggro and niggle they use to their advantage. Yes. And then there are just natural dickheads who can't keep a lid on it. And, like, certainly, I think the former category are probably slightly more lovable. So, like somebody like Lawrence Delalio, for example, mm. I don't think he's a terrible person, but he loved being a dickhead on the field. Yeah, and he, you know, Ali Williams, Backy's Bota, Neil Back, Alan Quinlan, or if you want to go, sort of, probably the the absolute textbook definition of it, Mike Phillips. That is a very very is good a man, one, yeah. And yet you don't I mean, despise him. I'm English, and he's no, he's, he's been responsible he, he for a few horrible ha- things that have happened to my nation. And he has yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean there. He is never happier than when he's being a complete shit house. And the more of a dickhead that he's beating, the better he generally plays, usually against the Irish. And the more respect he seems to get. Yeah, exactly. And it's and then on the flip side, you have people who aren't using their fact that they're a bit of an arsehole as a motivational tool. It's because they just have dickhead emanating from every pore in their body, and there's nothing that they can really do about it. And generally, they're backs. Yeah, Jeremy Jeremy like, Gilbert on Twitter. Somebody falls perfectly into this. Jeremy, not Jeremy Gilbert, but who he's suggesting. Jeremy Gilbert on Twitter <laughs> said Dylan Armitage, and he oh, massively, massively fits so. into that, doesn't he? That actually, oh, he's just obviously a total prick. Yeah, and, and and you mean you can write a long list of all of the things he's done that are spectacularly twattish in his rugby career and yet he is clearly a very good player yes. as well I mean and then I mean obviously I mentioned Matt Dawson we've spoken about Austin Healy irredeemable bell end that yeah. he is Mark um, Ring I mean yes good shout Ga- Gavin Henson see, see Henson he, see he, certainly in his pomp I would love Gav to my dying day but he's certainly until it all went a bit wrong for him he was a stratospheric tool without even trying, and I think he's kind of been laid low. But he wasn't a bit kind of a loud one, years. was he? He just kind no, of did he was these just... things that made you think, "Oh, you're a bit of a bellend, aren't you?" But actually, he, did, yeah, he wasn't like, like a gobby, mouthy type, was he? No, he was just a, clearly a bit of a dickhead. But I think he's probably not quite that horrible a person anymore. I mean, yeah, and, and you could still love watching these players play. Oh Even yeah, absolutely. Just think, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, David Campese, clearly a dickhead. Yeah, he's he's probably but... my. He's if you're going to ask the question, as he's the ultimate one, it's probably Campese for me, because mm. he had the he had the, the high scores in both axes, because he is truly <laughs> yes. brilliant, truly brilliant. Yes, and a truly yes. exceptional, historic mm. arsehole. Yes, I mean you can throw Will Carlin into Oof. that as well. I think, I mean. Both, both, he's both f- columns. He's scoring very highly. Carlos Spencer, both columns is he very an highly. Carlos Spencer, I 
I think he's a bit of an arsehole, yeah. He always he did he used to like enjoy getting chippy with other mm. like backs, which is always the mark of a bit of a dick. Percy Montgomery. Well just for the one. hair alone. Just for the hair alone, I mean yeah, but also just clearly a massive arsehole. Didn't he get banned for abusing a ref once? Well, he should have um, been banned for the hair alone. I've just I stopped listening. You yes, had me at the hair. That's very true. Um and I mean then you've got the biggest exponent in the modern game is probably Quay Cooper. Yes. A man who is such a colossal arsehole and such a talented player, and and I mean, like I remember it when I was in uni before Quaid was a wallaby, there was like this YouTube compilation that me and my friends used to delight in watching of him basically fucking up, trying all of his silly little <laughs> side steps and no look passes, and getting nailed or it all going horribly yes. wrong to Benny Hill music, and like he. He was being presented as a figure of ridicule because of his staggering arrogance and dickishness that was clearly much more fully formed than his talent was at that point. And that, for me, is the fucking kicker. If you're going to be Billy Big Bollocks, yeah. you better be good. And if you were an absolute dickhead before you were even that good, that's that's the mark of a total... Derek Reese on Twitter went a bit old school, which I think was called like, England scrum half Steve Smith. They say, I don't remember Steve Smith playing. I remember him being a bit crap as a presenter on ITV. No, neither do I. But he yeah. said, but but he said, Bellend, which I quite like, Bellend numero uno for him is Paul Ackford, and then he even said hashtag oh. prick, I mean... which I quite liked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Who was yeah. it? Somebody said something about. Um... Oh, where is it? I can't find it now. In all of his careers, as well. A few Paul people Ackford, were some surprising like... ones. Somebody said Alistair Five said that oh, he's really? heard that Al- that Pomi's name was only one letter out for what he was actually like. Really? Yeah, oh, you I, wouldn't have thought that, would you? I mean, he's a healer of men, somebody, literally. Yeah, somebody also said that they'd met um, Brian O'Driscoll, and he wasn't, yeah. Anto Delaney said, B.O.D., on a couple of meetings, he was did was arsehole-ish, but there might be a rule in World Rugby that says we're not allowed to say that out loud. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's Mary Poppins, isn't he? Yes, he is. David Jenkins said Jeremy Guscott. I can believe that, yeah. Um, and then, uh, this is a brilliant one, just because... Andy Six Mullets on Twitter said, "Well, he's not exactly a good player, so he's obviously we just wanted to get this out there, right? But <laughs> he's not exactly a good player." But Ryan, axes. But Ryan Grant was a complete throbber when I met him. <laughs> Hasn't Ryan Grant suffered enough by virtue of being Ryan Grant? I just, I know, I accept his shit, but I just want to tell you that Ryan Grant was was. And that's a great word, by the way. Yeah, was a throbber complete throbber when I met him. <laughs> <laughs> no, so there you go. So we may again keep your nominations coming in to App Blood and Mud for, for ultimate brilliant arsehole people. Yes. I might have a go on the blog from all the feedback that we've had of of, of putting together an ultimate arseholes fifteen. Yes. Because I'm sure we could squeeze some I'm sure we, we could find some could. props who are arseholes. If nothing there. if nothing else we can have a, a what you call it, a bracket. See if we can <laughs> yeah. use all get all our nominations and crown the winner. <laughs> So I'm still giggling about Ryan Grant being a throbber. Sorry. <laughs> that has tickled you a lot, doesn't it? It has, yeah. Anyway, we have come to the end of another Indeed. week, Josh, and we finish with the loop. Now, this week, I don't know if anybody's heard, but Prince died. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to be using him in the loop because, believe no. me, I tried to find a rugby-related Prince song. If you can when, find one out there, please tell me. I'll put it on next week. But I was when struggling. When Dove Men Plus Care cries. Um. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Um, I thought Let's Go Crazy for France. Yes. Oh, it, was, it would be a bit yeah. of a stretch. 
But anyway, so I just went back to something that did sort of make some sense, which is mm. Bob Seger and a Silver Bullet Band with Against the Wind. And why not? And why not? You can't beat a bit of country southern rock, which I suppose is what you would call this song. Pretty much. Josh, it's been a pleasure. As ever. I'm off to laugh at Ryan Grant's throbber, and I'll see you <laughs> I'll see you next week. Cheers, mate. Take care. But it was long ago Jane, it was lovely She was the queen of my night There in the darkness With the radio Playing low end And the secrets that we shared The mountains that we moved
However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At LifestyleSports.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.